0: Thank you, Ross. Uh, that's a lot more pressure than the first service. The first service, he just called me a gift. <laughs> now he said the best. <laughs> Anyways, as Roscoe said, my name is Luto and I'm the youth pastor here at Olive Tree. It's really good to be with you guys this morning. Um, and yes, before I carry on, I just wanted to say, uh, yeah, happy Father's Day to all the fathers in the room. And I wanted to give a little encouragement to even the guys that are looking to become fathers in the future. I wanna just say that you've got such an important and integral role to the future of a society. And so if you, if you would just take that like so seriously, if you would, yeah, it's just important. I don't know how else to express it and like I think of my, the, the role that my own father had, I was thinking of him the other day and it's the silly little things that we experienced together that made him my hero and I know he had, a, to everyone in primary school, he had a muscles this big and all sorts of stuff, and that helped me develop into the person that I am. And so, fathers, you guys are heroes that don't, don't wear capes. Uh, you do a thankless job, and where there's broken relationship, I just pray that you guys would find connection and unity, because, like I said, it's so vitally important for the good of or for the future of our country and the world. So, yeah, without any further ado, we're going into well, we're in our second week of the series, of the Philippians series, and so um, I don't have any funny story to tell you. I'm just gonna jump straight into it. We're gonna be reading from uh, Philippians 1, verse 27, and that's the scripture we're gonna use today. So I just wanna preface it first, and then we're gonna get back to unpacking it in a little bit. And so verse 27 goes, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you, only hear about you in my absence. I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. We're going to go to, verse two, um, to chapter 2 as well in a little bit, but I just wanted to start here. Before I settle down here though, I want to run it back a little bit to something Ross made you guys say last week. And he said, you are not worthy. And he made you repeat that after him. So in case you went home afterwards and you thought about it for a little bit, then you're like, what's he talking about? I am worthy. I want us to run it back and emphasize the same point. You are not worthy. So say it with me. You are not worthy. No, say, I am not worthy. Because <laughs> now it's just me. Say, I am not worthy. I am convinced I am not worthy. <laughs> just making sure that you're convinced. But if you're not, I'm gonna make this point one more time. And I've done this a couple of times, mainly at youth, but this is the way I like to see it or picture it. Not I like to, it's the way it is. I look at Planet Earth, I love the series Planet Earth, by the way, by David Attenborough. I forget his name sometimes. But when I look at that, I just see like how wonderful the world is and how just everything works. And it's in sync, and you know, like, the moon is controlling the tides, and the ocean's got their rhythms that are, like, breathing, like, the, the land and the sea are breathing at, in the morning and at night, and, like, there's just all sorts of life happening, and it's in a sustainable rhythm, right? Then we can step out a little bit from our planet, and we've got the nine, or now eights, and I'm not sure where we stand with Pluto anymore, but we've got that vibe going on, and Pluto, and then... Those guys are, all those planets are in what we call like a, an orbit around the same sun. I forget what you call that one, is it called it? It's not a galaxy, what is it called? The Milky Way galaxy, yes, that's what it is. And there's other galaxies. Apparently, allegedly, like billions of other galaxies. And here's what we know about all those galaxies. Not one of them is like that we've experienced is bumping into another one, right? It's all held together. And apparently, I saw this from Neil deGrasse Tyson who's apparently not a Christian, but he speaks about like there's there's a matter or like space has a fabric like that everything rests on, which is quite mind-boggling to picture but quite fascinating. But anyways, it's all held together and it all works. Where am I going with this? Because then you get to good old human beings and then it goes that way a little bit. Overfishing. Global warming, pollution, war, violent crimes, you you name it, we've done it. And so I am convinced that when the Bible speaks about the fall in the beginning, where human beings ate of some fruits of the knowledge of good and evil and made that decision to determine good and evil on their own terms to become gods among themselves, that this is what we're experiencing. That's the world we're living now, that there was a fall and it was tragic for humanity. I believe there used to exist a world where we were in sync with all the animals, in sync with all the systems, and everything was working to sustain the good of everything else. And now that's not the case, but it's important to to understand that, and that it doesn't, because what we do is that we draw a line, and we go, them. You know, if you're a person that cares about fishing, it's the Chinese. If you're, I don't know what other thing to pick on that's easy to pick on, but. (laughs) But you get the point, we draw a line, and it's not us, it's them. But in reality, it's all of us. Because when we make our decisions, we say, is it good for me? Is it gonna make me happy? Is it safe for my family? And we don't go much further, some people don't go even go to family, but we don't go much further than the, the good of me and mine. If it's at the expense of someone else, doesn't matter, as long as it's good for me and mine. So Jesus tells this story when he speaks about the same thing. Again, since you, in case you're not convinced, I'm gonna make another case that Jesus makes. He tells this story, and I was reading the Bible one day looking for encouragement, and I found this wasn't very encouraging, but Jesus said it. And so he says this in Luke 17, verse seven. He says, suppose, suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down to, to eat? Won't he rather say, prepare my supper, Get yourself ready and wait on me while I eat and drink. After that, you may eat and drink. Will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants. Say it with me. We are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. And so in some sense, even when you've done the good thing, when you've done the righteous thing, when you've had a good religious routine or whatever the case may be that makes you feel good about yourself, you've only done what you're supposed to be doing in the first place. Frankly speaking, you're still unworthy servants. Now again, when I was telling youth this, I, I did tell them they're unworthy at some stage, but I told them that sometimes I have to break you a little bit to build you back up the right way. And so this may be bad news, And it is to some degree, but here's the good news that comes after it, is that God knew your lack. God knows your lack and he always has been aware of it. And so the whole Bible from beginning to end is this story that that God keeps retelling about a savior to come. And he starts all the way at the beginning from the stories that I can remember. I remember the story of Hosea where he sends this holy prophet to marry a prostitute. And he says, I want you to do that. And then she leaves. She cheats on him and she goes back into a life of adultery. And then he says to to Hosea, go back, marry her again. Pay the price for her from the stand she was on and marry her again. And then he says, this is what I will do for my people. Though you've betrayed me, though you've turned your back on me time and time again for other idols and for the things of this world, this is what I will do for you. And then he makes the picture in the beginning of the Exodus where he says, get the blood of a lamb and put it on your doorpost and when death passes over, it will not touch you. Again, a prophetic, a prophetic picture of what Jesus will do for me and you so that we may not experience the sting of death. We may die in the flesh, but we live on in the spirit for eternity because of what Jesus has done. That's good news. And then he goes again when Jesus is speaking in the New Testament, he refers back to Exodus and he says, you will look on me like you looked on the bronze snake in the desert and you will be healed speaking about put your faith in me, believe in me, and I will save you, heal you, deliver you. Jesus goes on in the New Testament with the lost coin, the lost sheep, the lost son, saying no matter how far you run, no matter how lost you get, and even if there's just one of you, I will pay the price for you to have you back. And when I get you back, I will celebrate heaven will celebrate. And I don't know about you, but that is good news. And so I needed to land on what the gospel is first before I carry on. You're a faulty person. You're unworthy. But Jesus qualifies you. Jesus died for you. In fact, the person that, that wrote the letter that we're going to be reading from, that person that wrote Philippians, has got the same story. And so I want to take you through his story so you've got context. And I want to Let's just walk through it a little bit because verse seven, Acts seven, verse one, not not verse one, but at the bottom of Acts, this guy is standing there watching those guys kill Stephen. And the next verse in verse eight, I think it is, goes, and Saul approved of the killing of them. So he approved of the killing of Christians. He watched and he approved. Chapter nine, now it says, he's breathing murderous threats on the church. He's on on his own mission to persecute the church. In fact, when Jesus stopped him, he was on his way to kill Christians and arrest them. 15 verses down, God is saying to one disciple, go to that man because he's my chosen instrument to preach the good news. And I want you to know that though you're unworthy, though you can't always get it all right, God is in the business of using broken people. Though you're not qualified, Though you're not worthy, God is in the business of using broken people. And so he used Paul, and now Paul is in prison as he writes this. I need, needed to give you some context. And as you listen to this, I want you guys to listen to this from the context of your prison. Take away the fact that I'm a preacher, or Ross's position, or your position, whatever. Just take it all away. Let's just be people in the context of our different prisons, the situations that we're going to, because this is who Paul is talking to all of a sudden, the relevance of how long ago it was written really doesn't matter because life has not stopped being difficult. So whatever difficulty you're currently experiencing or you're currently experiencing, listen to this through that, that lens. And it's a bit challenging. And so we're gonna start again at Philippians verse one, I mean, 1 verse 27. And it says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. I just want to stick on that statement, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. Now, we can be tricked into thinking as Christian circles think, because we've just had the conversation about worthiness, is that I need to conduct myself in a way that earns me the rights to profess being a Christian, or that earns me the rights to be cool with God, even though I am a Christian. Now, I've got no beef with getting Christian conduct right, so I'm not going to tell you to ignore that. But this scripture goes beyond that. And we're gonna unpack it a little bit. Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. What does it mean or what does it look like to to live in a manner worthy of the gospel? Well, then the questions we have to ask are two. And first we have to say, what does worthy mean? In this context, the word worthy doesn't mean to qualify in terms to be worth it, but it means in a manner that testifies or reveals the gospel. So if it's, it's in a manner that goes, like Paul was in prison, he says that everyone came to know because of my conduct in this prison that I wasn't in chains for myself, but I was in chains for my gospel. His conduct in that tough situation testified to the gospel, the gospel he professed to believe, right? And so it's easy, like it's easy to say this and receive it. It's easy to be encouraged in an easy situation. It's easy and comforts to conduct yourself. But what happens when you're betrayed? What happens when you're offended? What happens when you're afraid? What happens in those situations like now, we've just come out of COVID and then looting and then flooding. I don't know, Lord knows what else has happened. And then the petrol price just did its thing. What happens in that situation? Most people I see go, I know about Jesus, but I need to look out for my future. But I'm tired. But I'm scared. But what Paul says here, and I want you to say it with me, whatever happens, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. And we're still gonna get in, to more of what that looks like. But he says, whatever happens. And so again, I'm speaking to you now. In that whatever happens, in your prison, in Durban North when the whole world seems against you and the whole looting thing, what does conduct worthy of the gospel look like? What does conduct that says that I am a Christian that people look at and go, these people are different, look like. You see, Paul was blinded and there he met Jesus and his whole life changed. Remember, he was on his way to kill Christians. This is the same person writing this and now in chains and he says, for the gospel. Once he turned it around, it's a... whatever happens situation, whether I'm in prison, whether I'm shipwrecked, whether I'm being whipped one last shy of death, whatever happens, I conduct myself in a manner worthy of the gospel. So I want you to think about that for a second, understanding again that the gospel is the thing that qualified you. The gospel is the thing that saved you. We're gonna unpack it a little bit. So I said, in Philippians, in Philippians two, that word is so hard to say. I'm gonna say in Phil. In Phil 2, verse 1 to 3, verse 1 to 5, it says this. (laughs) So, if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And so there's three things that I wanted to pull out of there just in unpacking what it looks like to live life in a manner worthy of the gospel. So here's the three things that it'll take. One is a tremendous amount of courage. It takes courage to live outside of convenience. It takes courage to do things differently to the people around you when, the, when it doesn't make sense. It takes courage. It takes courage to go in Durban North when everyone's barricading things up and all the rest of that stuff, and you're going as a Christian community, let's body together and let's help people in need. It takes courage. It takes courage when people are asking you for stuff to give them more. It takes courage to be slapped, as Jesus says, and to turn the other cheek. It takes courage to do the things that are inconvenient and uncomfortable that make no sense. But if we're to live a life worthy of the gospel, that's what it takes. And I'm saying, I've always said this about courage, that it's not the absence of fear. It's not the absence of discomfort. It's doing the right thing despite that fear, despite that Discomfort. And so in whatever prison you're in right now, I want you to just think about the courageous thing to do. Maybe a small thing, maybe a big thing, but what is it that you're struggling to do that takes a tremendous amount of courage? And then I want you to choose courage. And then the second thing that Paul keeps emphasizing in this, in this uh, passage is unity. Again and again, he keeps saying, Together, the same mind, the same love, being one. It's being united. And again, I can say, of this season. And I know the feeling. I don't. I was. I was driving with Aaron. Just the other day, we came from the south coast, and you know the feeling when you've just had one bad thing after a bad thing after a bad thing, and finally, like we had a good Wednesday and Thursday, and we thought, oh, like it's so nice to just get away from it all and have. A good day, and then I was driving in the evening, it was quite dark. We're on the end, two headed back to Durban from Port Hepson. and he says, Let me put on some worship. And then he asked if it's okay if he takes a nap. So I'm like, Right, go ahead. And I'm taking this moment to have a moment with God, and I'm talking to him about like the bad thing after bad thing after bad thing. And I'm going, God, like, where are the winds? And you're expecting a miracle, <laughs> it's not what happened. <laughs> bah! I crashed into it. Big truck tire that Lord knows what it was doing on the highway, but that's what happened. And the song was going, Not for a minute was I forsaken. In my heart, I was like, "This." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Wow. In fact, when we chilled out for a little bit, I was like, Let's put on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> So I understand, and I'm sure you can relate with the situations where we thought at the beginning of COVID, oh, it's going to be three months and then things are going to be okay. And then it turned to two, and after two, something else happened and then something else happened. And now things keep happening. It's in that, that, that prison, in those situations, where one who takes courage, and then two, community, because we get into a place, now after that happened, ours is going I wasn't hurt at all, just by the way, I was 100 percent the car hurt, so I'm stressed. Um, but besides that, I, w- like I was just going, "I just want to like sleep. That's literally what I wanted to do, but I wanted to like, like sleep for forever and a day, not die. I just like a long nap, like six months of just sitting on my mom's couch eating bacon and egg rolls. I was like, "You're so done." But miracles and breakthrough don't happen in convenience. I know that if I tap out now, I don't get to see the goodness of God. I don't get to experience or spread or even testify about this gospel. And so in, in that place where one thing after another, another keeps happening, I'm encouraging and I'm well, like, yeah, in some sense begging you. <laughs> one, take courage. Two, be unified. It's hard to come to church right now. It's hard to join life groups. It's hard. It's inconvenient more than anything to do the things that are normal patterns. But if we've got any hope, again, speaking about a broken humanity, if you look at any, like most animal groups, when they're in trouble, what do they do? They poop together, and then they stick tight. And then they've got a chance. And it's when they can pick one apart and pull it aside that they will that a lion will get its kill or something like that, but generally they stick together. I didn't want to, I made a buffalo example in the first service, but that's too soon considering our president is. <laughs> He's in a little bit of trouble and he owns a buffalo, so, you know. <laughs> but anyways, but they're a great example. They stick together and they will finish a pack of lions because of their power to stick together, and that's, I've always said it about community, you need people now more than ever. It's gonna be a little bit hard, it's gonna be a little bit more inconvenient, it's gonna be uncomfortable, but it's in that oneness, in that unity, in the same spirit, where we live lives that testify to the gospel. And then the last thing is that humility, and this is the, this is the one that breaks the matrix, because I referenced at the beginning that Give me a second. (laughs) I referenced at the beginning that the way we've always lived life since the fall is what's good for me and mine. Right? And Paul says here do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Not just your family, not just the people that like you, not just the people you love. You've heard the story of the Good Samaritan? It's about who's the Avi Beer guy? That guy and Julius Malema meeting on the road. Who's your Julius? Oh, it might just be Julius. Who's? <laughs> who's <laughs> What's your opposition? What's the, what, who's that thing? And can you treat those people in those situations or can you be a person who lives a life worthy of the gospel in situations like that to those kind of people? But I tell you, that's where the power is And It says, let each of you look not only to his own interests as we did in the fall, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind amongst yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. I don't think anything I've said like needs echoing at this point. We're gonna need a massive amount of courage, unity, and humility, which is in this sentence just another way of saying love that goes beyond our comfortable borders. If we're gonna survive this season, if we're gonna live lives that are worthy of the gospel in this season, those are the things I feel we need. And it's all rooted in the gospel, knowing that Jesus, this is where Paul writes from. He goes, Jesus did this for me. And then he put me in the situation to do it for you. Now I'll do it for others. Amen? Amen. Amen. Cool, I'm gonna pray and then you guys can head out and go practice living lives worthy of the gospel. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you so much for your word that speaks and breathes life, God. God, thank you for your son that qualifies us, that calls us and equips us for every challenge in life, for every situation, God. And thank you that if it's not good, it's not done. So I just pray that as we go into our different situations, our different oppositions, God, that you would equip us with courage and boldness. I pray that you would put people around us that we can draw on and, and, and put people in our hearts that we can support, God. More than anything, God, I pray for your love to become so real to us that we can't help but give it out, in Jesus' mighty name, amen. 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 Guys, thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your morning, and there's tea and coffee, and Burrows horse rolls in the coffee area. Well, no, around, around the corner, cool. <laughs>